everyone. Welcome to another edition of Living Courageously Exposed, hosted by Food Inside Out Adventures. And yours truly, Jennifer J. Saunders. My friends call me Jay. Today, I have with me a lovely woman from Canada who is a transformation specialist. She's a change coach. She's a communicator and engagement instigator, experience artist, and people champion. She also happens to be married to a wonderful man who is her business partner. She said they're together 24-7, and it's fabulous. So today, I'd like to introduce you to this lovely soul, Patty Blackstaff. Patty, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm fabulous. I'm even better now that I get to have this conversation with you and to share you out to the people who listen to the Living Courageously Exposed podcast. Well, honestly, the pleasure is mine because the kind of energy that you exhibit, Jay, is just amazing. So thank you so much for including me. Yeah, it's, it's my pleasure and you're welcome. The first question that I really love to ask people is to give us a little bit of insight about you when you were a younger child. What were your dreams and aspirations as a kid? Were you an excitable kid? Were you a shy kid? What did you dream about? Kind of give us some insights into Patty as a youngster. Definitely a dreamer. Absolutely a dreamer. Um, uh, very creative and artistic as a child. Uh, still use that in my everyday. I love to paint and, and uh, paint pictures and furniture and other, other things as a hobby. Um, as a child, I would say that I was uh, filled with the... Um, filled with the excitement of what emotion can bring to the world. And uh, I'm pretty sure in my early teens that I was going to be an actress. I was going to be, be, be in that world of people who told really great stories and, and uh, shared human emotion uh, widely and vividly. <laughs> okay, that's a really big thing as a, as a young person to be uh, thinking about and dreaming about what precipitated that for you? Were there events that happened? Oh, okay. Youngest of six, there's always a lot of drama in the house. (laughs) (laughs) So you would have to say the energy and emotion flowing through a home with one bathroom and eight people was probably, probably a contributor. Um, I love to write and uh, have always, you know, written poetry and, and, uh, and, and I'm always um, tapped into observing people's behavior and who they are in the world and how they interact with each other and with events and experiences and those kinds of things. It's funny that it's led me to what I do now, right. um, but uh, yeah. It, so, so this question, as you're talking about that, the youngest of six, this question popped into my head is, do you feel like it was a matter of curiosity or survival to kind of understand the emotion and everything that was that was going on in a household of seven or eight? And you, I would say both, right? I would say both. I mean, you you begin to hyper anticipate um, for things such as how am I going to also be included in uh, how much food is being grabbed in the middle of the table? (laughs) How am I going to be included in finding my little window into the washroom when there's only one of them? Um, All of those things. You hyper-anticipate your environment around you when you've got a lot going on, right? And, And I think that's uh, it's a combination of survival and observation and curiosity and excitement. And you've got all these brothers and sisters older than you that are doing really cool things. And you want to, you want to be a part of all of that. And yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. That's really cool. And so 
how do you feel like learning those skills at a young age help you maneuver your way through like the junior high and high school years to accomplish your dreams to you know did you actually do acting did you pursue more of the feelings so the hyperactivity um, of energy right understanding and anticipating um others was extremely help through, helpful through high school because i was actually quite bullied in high school and junior high and high well actually all through um but especially junior high and high school i uh i think that uh utilizing and honing those skills and anticipating what's coming and learning how to deal with them that would would actually allow you, a lot of people that i went to high school with not believe i was bullied because my reactions to my, you know, I could anticipate what was coming in. So, so practiced uh, lots of, lots of reactionary stuff that, that allowed me the opportunity to survive through high school. Um, high school was a mix of really cool, cool, fun people that I was part of the drama club in, and that was my safe zone. Uh, the, uh, the rest of the environment, not so safe. Uh, and so ended up, ended up actually leaving early and going to community college to finish, uh, in 11th grade, uh, as a result of the, uh, pressure of the bullying environment. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you yeah, bringing that up. I am, I'm always amazed at how many of these interviews, uh, probably the majority of them, the people that I'm talking with are saying at some point in their life, and usually in their younger life, they were bullied. And sure. it, it always blows me away. You know, I was uh, I was a shy kid. I wouldn't say I was bullied. I didn't ever feel like I fit in. But um, it's amazing to me how many people experience bullying. I would love to say that the kind of bullying I experienced is a complete difference from the bullying kids experience now. I, uh, you know, that was survivable. What's happening today with social media and and, uh, and the connectedness and the, and the ability to share things um, unparalleled. I, I can't even begin to imagine going through that, right? So, but, but it's interesting because it brings you to a space where you learn to understand people and you begin to understand motivation. Um, I know that, uh, there are some there are some really important uh, ways of dealing with events around you, and and when you are bullied, you have a tendency as a teen to not have the tools to use. To, you you kind of bring it all in and think it's all about you, but then all of a sudden you get away from that and you start expanding a little bit. You it's the pain that the other person's suffering that they feel a need to be that way and. That is something that has served me for the rest of my life. I mean, the lessons I learned about people, I went back to my 10 year reunion and I wasn't going to go, but I got talked into going back and I did go back and I was just really pleased to see the humans that came out of that, that, that I had, had felt pain from were just really great people. And, uh, and, and had changed their world. And so it was really good to go back and take that step and that learning lesson, you know. If you're comfortable, I actually would, would you care sharing about what your bullying was in regards or what you experienced like emotionally through that bullying and maybe how some of these tools, I mean, if you don't want to share specifically what it's about, but like what, what you experienced, how it made you feel, and then how these tools helped you maneuver through it. Well, I think you feel a, a certain amount of isolation and you and you wonder what's wrong with you. You know, you wonder what's wrong with you because in, in when you're too young to recognize and understand 
what uh, what the bullying is really about, you you tend to honestly believe that there's something wrong with you because everybody else appears to fit in. And it's not true. No one who went through high school felt like they fit in. <laughs> but you, right? But you you have a tendency and you and you tack on names to yourself. So it really hits your belief system. So as a kid, you 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 hear the names and you begin to call yourself that and and that self conversation um, begins to grow. And and then when you when you turn it around and say, OK, what can I learn from this? And I think that's the, the biggest part was was learning from it. So who do I want to be? Because I never want to be that person. Right. right. Who do I want to be in my world? Um, you begin to to have a really good example of what not to be, <laughs> right? Right, and so you, then you take that and you start saying, okay, it's not all about me. Um, it's not that I didn't fit in. It's that it's that I allowed myself to believe that they were right because the collective seemed so powerful. Right. Right. I like that you just said um, the. You know, you, you get to choose who do I want to be in my world or who do I not want to be? And it seems like, you know, in my experience, I've had so many lessons of the how not to be something or who I don't want to be like. And, um, you know, not doing my best not to judge those people, but to take that as an experience and be like, OK, they're where they're at for a reason. But that's, you know, what can I take from that to be something different? Yeah, I never want someone else to feel the way I felt, right? So what not to be is about that feeling, is about um, not being the the powerful force that seems to um, bring someone into a space of uncomfortableness, right? I think that rather than saying, here's who I want to be, we have examples of that and we can never be that because we're all unique. So if we have examples of what not to be, we can actually create the magic that is our unique self. Right. So we have the opportunity to take that power to ourselves. Yes. The magic to be our unique selves. That is a line. I am all of them. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, this question keeps coming into my mind is why you're going through this experience and you've had all this observation and you're the youngest of six and and observing people's energy and why they do what they do. Were you able to maneuver your way through that while you were in it or did it take you you know some years afterwards to really be able to kind of sit through it and have understanding and maybe let go of some of the pain or maybe not take as much of the pain I don't think there was ever an aha moment I think that when I moved through my world um, uh, I would say I was in a survival mode when I was in high school when I left high school, it was baby steps. So little things began to introduce me to the self that counteracted my belief system. So I would, uh, when I was going to college, I met a group of people and we had lunch together every day. And we played cards and they liked me, you know? And so that was the step to, well, maybe I'm not all that bad. And then you work into little things. Uh, I ended up working in a school system with children with behaviors. And uh, I was doing lots of uh, little baby steps through the years that I worked there in an environment of supportive, caring, loving people. Uh, no one was there in that school for uh, a job. They didn't care about the paycheck. They cared about the children. And that was a really neat environment. So I'd say I really grew up there. I would see those people helped shape um, my journey toward who I really am. And when I, when I started getting there, uh, a couple of key people that I was uh, – uh, 
part of their worlds really approached me and Ed, the vice principal said one day, you're bigger than this. Oh, you know, you're way bigger than this. You need to get out there. You know, I don't know what it is you're going to do, but you need to get out there. So there's little pieces that happen over time. And it isn't until we have hindsight and we look back and say, holy crap, wow, I really came a long way, right? Um, <laughs> and, and thank God for these people. Thank God where I landed and where I ended up being, right? Well, and it's such a beautiful thing when, I love that you said you worked in a place that people did care about the paychecks. They cared about the kids like that. I don't even know that I really know a place right now that that is the situation. There are probably people inside of these organizations, but not as not as a whole or in completeness. So there that was fascinating. a unique dynamic of individuals. And I used to call that the healing place because everyone that came in uh, ended up leaving there better. Right. We, we all did. And we all have talked about that over the years. We, some of us stay in touch and and how it really was a healing place. It was one of those places you go to where where it was it really was about about loving those kids and uh, what can we do to make their lives better. And that was the I mean, and that comes from the top. Right. So that was my first foray into what does leadership really look like. And uh, that comes from the top and and it has to be supported throughout the organization. And they hired good people. They were good at hiring. <laughs> that is, I just, uh, as you're talking, I'm like, oh, I just came up with the title for this uh, podcast. Thank you to the to the gentleman who came to you and said, you're bigger than this. You're bigger and, than this. and what a gift yeah. for you to be, you know, to come from, like you say, the, the circumstances where you started believing the things that you're being right. told, and now you have a, cho a choice to believe this thing that you're being told of, you're bigger than this. So that was in my work life, but it's really interesting how things began to happen all around me that actually were shaping that too. It's neat how the universe works. So, um, so I'm working in that environment, but then I was volunteering in some other environments and, and I was brought on as a uh, parent representative to uh, a couple of organizations. One was uh, the, uh, okay, I got to get this right because it's a really long monitor. Um, <laughs> The prevention of child abuse and neglect was a was a um, an organization that was local to our community uh, where I was living at the time, and I was brought on as a parent rep. And then, and as a parent rep, what did help us understand what getting a board member for the for this nonprofit that protected children? Okay, yeah, and then uh, and then that led to another board position um, working with the commissioner of services for children. And all of those little pieces were like, I was getting that same message. So the lady who brought me over to the other one was also saying, you've got something big to do. You've got to get out there. You've got something big to do, you know? And so that really, really amazing coaches in my life that have just landed in by happenstance and, and uh, yeah, you know, and those are blessings, right? You take those every day. You, you just are thankful for the kind of people that walk in and, and, uh, and, yeah, I don't know about you, but almost everyone I know, and we've had, I've got girlfriends, we talk about this. I mean, we're really good at beating ourselves up as human beings. Oh, heaven, Jess, yeah. we are. It's like and probably one of the best things we do. Yeah, and the world around us isn't working. It's always our fault, right? So, so what's really interesting is when you have those blessings come into your life where somebody will say, you know, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, uh, 
I'm really believing in you and I think you're, you've got a lot to do and, and I trust you. And, and so it, it really gets you out of that old belief system of maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'll never fit in, you know, what you have as a child. It does. It, but, but little pieces at a time. It's not like want it all right now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's little bites at a time. Right. And so all of a sudden you wake up one day and you look back and you think, Hey, you know, I've done some cool stuff. Right. Well, yeah. and in your experience, um, I know in mine that if we were to receive all of that at once, you know, when we've been carrying these crappy belief systems and all of the, you know, icky statements that are so untrue about us, we wouldn't even be able to accept them. We just bounce them off and be like, yeah, whatever, do someone. But when we start getting those step-by-step increments of growth and, and accolades of self-worth and, and then we can go, wait a minute, like when someone says, you're bigger than this, it, it might actually get through and be like, well, you're the third person today who said that. <laughs> it's <laughs> true. And, and it's not just the, it's not just meeting people who believe in it, but it's actually having the accomplishments to accompany that. I don't think any one of us is ready to receive anything all at once. I think we have, um, we get a message that aligns with a step we took in an accomplishment we made. And then we have many more steps to go. And the right people seem to land in our lives if we open our hearts to that and our minds to that, that we we learn from their view of our accomplishment, right? But we still got to do the work. We, if we're not accomplishing, we can't be open and receptive. Amen to that, sister. And I love that you said heart and mind open to receiving and knowing that the right people are going to come in at the right time. Right. And we and you know we can we can take that belief system and call it our truth if we want. It's right basically a brain lie but it's <laughs> we can call it our truth if we want and that's a choice we make you know there are times in everyone's life where they have believed uh, something about themselves and called it their truth which discounted everyone else's experience of them and they still wouldn't believe it so that's where the open heart and open mind come in you you really really need to trust how people see you in the world we do one coaching thing with people who are struggling in careers where we uh, get a little tidbit for everybody here. So on the podcast, if you want to go and take this away, this is something that's really powerful. We ask you to pick three people in your life, one you've worked with and trust, one that's a family member, and one that's a friend. And ask them to list all of your strengths that they see and put them in a list and describe why they think it's a strength and present that to you. Those are the things that are transferable to everything you do for the rest of your life. Oh my gosh, I love that. So to you, the listener today, there's there's probably your first little tidbit um, of many in this conversation is uh, finding three people, one that you work with that you trust, a family member and a friend, and you're going to ask them to list your strengths and why they're a strength and present it to you. Did you say that correctly? Yep. Yeah. And then and then, you know, when they give them to you, really sit down with that. Um, I like to call that my fat file. So that's a, a little file that I keep with myself that reminds me every once in a while how the world actually sees me so that I can I can shut off that naysayer that that sneaks in every once in a while when I'm trying to accomplish something and I'm not quite there yet. 
You know, I actually really appreciate you saying that today because uh, for myself, I feel like that was exactly the message I needed to hear today. You know, as, as I'm moving forward in my own stuff and going through this entrepreneurial journey and you know, learning how to be, be a better podcast host and get my business off the ground and know how to do the thises and the thats and all those things, it's been amazing today to notice, and not just today, but to notice how bombarding all of those just naysayer, negative, bullcrap thoughts can be and how much energy it takes to combat those so that you can really get down to what's true about you. And I love that you said, that's how the world, this will help you see how the world sees you and what a takeaway this. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I know that I know that a lot of people, you know, if you sit down and really think about all the great things you've done in your life, there were always a thousand reasons not to. It's your heart and your reason is all that really matters. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. I'm just going to write that down. Your heart and your reason is all that really matters. Okay. So let's move on a little bit. So you said you ended up in a job where it wasn't really a job. It was a place of healing. Mm -hmm. And this beautiful man says to you, you're bigger than that. It was actually a woman. I'm sorry. That was, yeah. Yeah. And I could have missed that. So thank you to this woman who... Who said this statement to you that springboarded, catapulted, like where did it take you into your next steps? So I didn't know what to do. I uh, I knew that I needed to do something. Lots of things were changing in my life. Things were changing personally. Things were changing uh, at work. I did want more. Um, and I happened to have kind of tripped and landed into doing some IT stuff within uh, the school system while I was there. A uh, bit of a closet geek, so I was building servers and computers at home and um, really fascinated by them and, and by technology. And uh, earlier, just out of high school, I'd worked for a, a telecom company and some of their systems kind of had me curious. And so uh, closet geek here uh, went uh, and took a year off and I went and got some, some uh, certifications that were technical. Okay. And those, at the end of those courses, um, they offered me a practicum in another city, and I took it. So we did. I did a three-month practicum, and uh, then they offered me a job, and so moved my little moved my little family to make a difference in a different way. Some people would call that a 360 or a 180, pardon me. And But then now it's a 360 because we're doing the people strategy around all those technologies. So right. it, it was interesting. Um, I, was, uh, I had uh, personal marriage issues at the time. And, uh, and of course, I needed, I needed to solve the school system pays you $17,000 a year. And I need something to support me. Right. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. life, life's got to go on, and there, you know, not that money's everything, but money, you've got to have money. That's so. right. You gotta, you gotta feed yourself. So, and that was cool. I, I was able to do a couple of things. I've always kept a journal. Um, this journal uh, was kind of a new, a new deal for me. It was a goal journal as opposed to an appreciative journal, and okay. uh, I set some goals for myself. Okay, well, within this time, this is what I'm going to have to do, and this is what I'm going to need, and this is what my kids are going to need, and and I set those goals and met every one of them, which is kind of so. Fun. Quick question in regards to that, and I love that you just said that there's different kinds of journals that you use, and you know, appreciative journal. This one was a goal journal, and for the, the person listening to us today that may be struggling with journaling, just know there's a lot of different ways to do it. And 
Uh, if you want some suggestions, probably get some happy hood in a little while. But as far as the goals go, were these like little goals? Were you able to dream big? Like, where was your head in this process? Was it just in survival? Was it in, help us see that aspect of you. So the goals were huge. (laughs) (laughs) They were massive. Um, But but every goal should be based on an insight. So what is the insight in my life, right? So you sit down and you, and insights come from challenges. So my challenge is I'm making $17,000 a year. Um, I'm never going to go anywhere uh, further than where I am unless I take a leap into something else. Uh, another insight that came from the challenges was, uh, you know, I need to do right by my kids. And and the man that uh, would wind up having to support me if I didn't. You know, that's unfair. If the marriage is breaking down, it's not fair to ask that person, I didn't think at the time, fair to ask that person then to still own the responsibility of that for the rest of their life. So there was... Uh, right there. Wow, will you repeat that? Because I think that is a very valuable piece of wisdom right there about the last statement you just made. So if there's anything I could do, if there was anything I could do to change my world that I just felt it was unfair to ask the man where our marriage was breaking up to be responsible for me for the rest of my life because I hadn't done the work I needed to do, right? So Um, So thank you. he's a good dad. It was the marriage broke down, but there, but there's all good people here and it was a good family. Right. right. So the family didn't have to uh, crumble and we have to all be respectful of each other. And that was really important to both of us. Um, so with those insights and knowing kind of what was happening and uh, around me and understanding the challenges, there are things that had to happen. And those were the goals. So those insights got turned into how much do I have to earn? What am I good at? where is the potential to move that direction and how fast can I move that direction? So I went from a $17,000 a year income to a doubled $35,000 a year income within a year. Within two years, I had doubled that again based on my goal diary. And then within, yeah. And then within seven years of the original the goal setting, I I had tripled. That is amazing. And so what were some of the steps you took? Because I know there's someone listening to us who is, it, I can hear it in their mind, just screaming like, how in the world does she do that? Like, I'm stuck here making $17,000 a year and I don't think I'm worth anything. Like, how am I ever going to get to where you're at? What were some of those steps? Well, you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to quit uh, you have to quit believing that comfort and safety is the answer. It isn't. Um, and that isn't in saying being reckless. That is saying be safe, have a strategy, have a plan. Um, knowing what you're good at is really, really important. And that's where some of those strength finding we talked about earlier matters. You, you really need to understand what people have been telling you about the gifts you bring to the world outside of yourself. And then taking that and saying, yeah, so what can I do with it? And then be willing to jump on trends. Don't be afraid to do things. You know, in 2008, when we started this company, um, I took a leap from a really good corporate job, really good corporate job, because I believed in what I was doing. And you have to be willing to take those kind of risks But at the same time, 
you have to change what you're doing. Right. So you have to be willing at the time Twitter was new. So I jumped onto Twitter. Um, you know, I, that's one thing I'm not afraid of is trying something new. And I, and I don't care if anyone judges if I screw up. And that's a really important thing that, that you that's, only care about your journey. Don't care about what other people think of your journey. Oh my gosh, that, okay, say that line again, because that is so important. Please only care about your journey. Yes. Cannot care what other people think about your journey. If you're caring about what they think, you're following someone else's dream, not your own. Oh, my gosh. You are speaking truth. So <laughs> let me, again, I'm hearing that people say, like, how do I not care about what other people think? How did you go about that? Well, it doesn't mean being disrespectful. You don't have to tell them all, right? right. You know, I've got a, I've got a dad. I, I've been in business for 10 years. My dad every day still asks me when I'm going to have a real job, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. So you just have to nod and smile, right? And, right? and be strong enough to say, hey, you know what? I understand that that would be your dream and I'm all for it. And if you, you decide to go that route, I'll back you all the way, but I'm going to go a different way and be willing to have the courage to just say those things. Be willing to say, Hey, you know what? That's all good and fine for you. And if you think, if you think that pension role still exists, that's your world and that's where you live in. And I'm, I'm happy that you like that world, but me, this is what I love. This is what I'm doing. Uh, you are speaking the basis of living courageously exposed right there. Just be willing to put yourself out there and listen, but don't listen to the point of putting yourself down, not believing in your dreams and just saying, thank you for your perspective. And this is what I'm doing. Yeah. You can, you can and, move on. and wait, we have something we do. I love to call this my curio cabinet of ills. Of ills. So, <laughs> ills. We all have a curio cabinet and uh, we store things in it. And those story stored things are negative things that have happened to us or things people haven't said. Right. And we use that as evidence to back uh, stopping ourselves from moving forward. And so we have a tendency to open that curio cabinet every once in a while when we feel like we've failed or we haven't done very well or we're not doing great. And we pull out a few ills and we polish them and we shine them up and we dust the shelf and we put them back and we, you know. So this curio cabinet um, lives in every one of our lives. And some of us walk by it and some of us continue to open the door. And learning how to walk by it is really the is really the goal is to learn how to walk by your curio cabinet. Sure, those stuff or that stuff is there. It's all still there. It's never going to go away because it's your past and it's what's happened to you. But you don't have to take it out. You don't have to bring it into your present ever. Right. I I love how you just described that. I've never heard it quite like that. You know, I I talk about we look at the stuff in our past and we. We grab a hold of it, and we pull it right to the present, and splash it up in the future, and say, "See, there we go." But yeah. I know how you just yeah. said that. Like, we actually take it out and we shine it up, and we make it all new and pretty. And we do, but we, you know what we do? We stack them because we can see them all at once, and we can right. say, "Oh, see, there are eight things in my curio cabinet that are the reason I'm a total loser." So, so <laughs> right, and it's quiet, so man. <laughs> so as I'm listening to that. Um, I'm hearing myself say, okay, it's a trophy case. We like hold it like a trophy case, but is it possible that as we're walking by, we look at it and go, wow, I learned an amazing lesson from this experience, or this one taught me this, or this one taught me this versus hanging on to all the pain and the 
the excuses that go along with each other. Right. So we don't need to shine them. We don't need to polish them. We need, don't need to dust the shelf. We can walk by it. And as we walk by, you say, wow, here are all the reasons I've gotten to where I am. Because every single one of those pushed me somewhere. Right? I really appreciate that because it adds value and honors our experiences without shoving them down or pushing them you know, under the rug or into a dark closet. We can say, this is who I am. Yeah. This is this is my experience and what has helped shape and mold me without shame, without yeah. the negative. Ah, so the cool. other piece of it, though, that we get to, that curio cabinet eventually needs to disappear. So as we get older, we, we begin to prioritize the human beings we are and what's really, what really matters in our lives. And we have a tendency to uh, learn how to walk past the curio cabinet, but our goal really should be, when are the items in that curio cabinet going in the garage sale? So when, am, when is that never, no longer going to be important in my life, even as a past story, because I've gone that much further that I don't even need to remember that lesson anymore. Wow. You know, throw those in the, in the garage sale. It's time. Facebook Marketplace, take right. that cube with cabinet content, right? <laughs> Thank for some good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, listener, can you can you feel the energy of what Patty is saying to us? It just it has such this peaceful settling in my heart and my soul as you're speaking that. And oh, just thank you. That's really cool. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Okay, so cabinet of bills, like where do we, we move on from there? Like how do we start getting past those things so that we're willing to start putting them on the marketplace, as you say? Well, it goes back. It goes back to defining yourself again, and you need to re revisit that. So that that little that little goal book of mine is read every day. Okay. Right. And if if you meet seventy five percent of those goals, then you start a new list and attach the ones you didn't meet, and look at it every single day. And every day you say to yourself, "Hey, you know, what am I going to do today that's actually going to contribute to getting to one of these? What what can I do today?" And what does that look like for me? And who do I want to be in that, right? So uh, it's almost like you're getting into a car. You, you, uh, every day you get into the car and you need to straighten the mirror and you need to set up the mirrors because you've got a second driver in the house and you readjust your seat. Um, that's your goal setting for the morning, right? I'm getting ready to take that drive, but then you have to have a plan. And so what is it I can do to get to that location and what's the best route? And uh, fastest, best, and highest energy route is always the way to go. So you want to make sure that you're not trying to cheat the system because you got to put in your time, baby. Right. But uh, fastest route means uh, the difference between I didn't go for a four-year education degree, I went for uh, a technology certification, right? I did, I did two different things. It's those choices. It's what's the fastest route that's going to get me to the goal on the date that I have set for it. Right. So that's, that's taking dreams and turning them into specific items that actually make a difference in your life, right? I love um, but I love so every day is a how, right? And I, I like that you pointed out that there's, there's not just one way that you said the fastest route by way of looking at all the different options. And it could be traditional education or it could be a coach or a mentor or a 
you know, whatever it is, but whatever that thing is that works for you. I love that you pointed out there's another way and to look yeah. for those, what those are for you and what's going to feel best for you. Right. And I wouldn't ever say to anyone in their lives, don't pick a coach or mentor. You should have one all through your life and they're going to be different people and they're going to be different influences, influencers, but they're always those people who believe in you because on the days when you don't, they will. And that's when you need to reach out to them. I love it. On the days that you don't, they will. Oh, I love it. I can't get enough. <laughs> okay. So, um, I had another question and it has slipped my mind. So tell me a little bit about how you take this work. One of the questions I have is how does this work inside of your family? How did this help you as a mom, as a wife, and not just in your business? How does a listener apply this to everyday life? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna change the table there because I honestly believe it's being a wife and a mother that shaped my ability to be a better human. Oh, I love it. Right? So yeah. Really, truly, the the only time um, I would I I would think that after the bullying I might have slid very very far into internalizing my world right. and pushed the world away had I not had kids when I was young and kids force you whether you like it or not to get outside of yourself because baby it ain't about you. Right? <laughs> right? It is about those kids. So what's really cool about the, the being a mom was um, making a decision I was going to do it my way and do it the best way I knew how. Um, believing that I wanted to take everything I felt as a child uh, that was positive and bring that forward and everything I thought was negative and find a different way. Right. Um, so they literally were part of that whole ecosystem of people that, you know, the volunteering, the, the working at the school and those kids changed my life. It allowed me the opportunity to um, to learn service in a different way, you know, um, and that's not an easy journey. So for moms who are at home and you've got you've got brand new babies or one or two, you know, and they're quite young and they're toddler ages. Um, believe me, at that time, I can remember phoning my mother and saying, I feel like Patty died. And my mother responding, honey, she did. <laughs> yeah, the Patty, you, know, you, you have to be a new Patty now. Like, that's just the way it is. So we all go through tough times during, when we transition from different pieces of our life and we take on something new and big. Um, children... Uh, are probably the hardest transition we make as a person because we have predefined ideas of who we are and who we would be as a parent. And when we get there, it's never like what we thought, right? And every kid presents a new challenge. Absolutely. Everyone is different. I have I have three that you would swear were raised in three different homes, right? <laughs> their personalities and their energy, and they're all so different. They're amazing kids, but they're all so different from each other. And yet the same in their value system. Like they're they're a great bunch. I think that the um, answer to your question then was really um, learning how not to think in the of the world or look at the world in terms of who you are, but how you can serve is what changes the game and children help teach that lesson over time. I, you know, I really appreciate the, the thoughtfulness of that answer because I, I'm a believer that, and it took me a while to figure this out, and luckily I didn't have to do it too far into my kids, is that our kids come here to teach us. 
a lot of people I think have it backwards that we we're here to teach them when in reality they're here to teach us. Well, and basically we don't know what we're doing when they're born, exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. And and I noticed that when I finally started paying attention to my kids, like if I was feeling angry or they were doing something and I was feeling an emotion and I thought, whoa, this isn't about my kid being a bad kid. It's about what is this bringing up in me? And they're just showing it to me. Yeah. I, I started well, that, and I started to interact with that child better and their behavior changed because I was learning my lesson. Yeah. Not that I was trying to prove something to them. So I appreciate the thoughtfulness and the answer and just that encouragement and challenge to really embrace what it is to be a mom or a dad or, you know, a parent in whatever way you're a parent as well as a spouse. On those toughest days as a parent when, um, and don't kid yourself, every parent feels this way and they will not admit it, but it's the truth, that they come this close to being not a great parent, you know, and they admit it to themselves, but they don't want the world to know that they admit that. On those days when that's happening, there is a uh, something we used to do at home and we would say holy cow this one needs a hug like it just needs a hug right like this this is horrible I'm not liking you you're not liking me wow this really needs a hug and it's it's just having a different perspective as a parent on on the environment you're in your kids your kids the saddest thing and the hardest thing about being a parent is you begin falling into the trap of believing that how your kids turn out is a, is is a complete reflection on you as a human being and that um, that trap is hard to get out of because the society, society. allows allows that to happen but internally you have to remember that your children are are these um, incredibly powerfully unique dynamic individuals with these really crazy personalities that are going to be counter to you occasionally and the only way the only way you get through that and you stay together is by saying how can I love this oh my gosh you you seriously are speaking my language I'm a believer of you know our kids come just like us they come as individuals here to have their own set of learning and experiences and things that they came for their growth path and our circles have just kind of buttered up against each other and we're crossing our paths a little bit and that you you know that you just pointed that out is such an awesome thing how can i love this is really and actually and that's not relegated to kids that's just human interaction right that's that's the people we interact with we have um one little one little trick that i that i ask uh some of my clients to do personally when they're dealing with um, lots of large transformation and change projects. So we're talking corporate people who have to interact and collaborate cross-functionally across departments. And they've got competing KPIs, they've got competing budgets, they've got competing things. And I ask them to go back to their office with that person they're struggling with and write 12 things they like about that person. And no matter how hard that person is to deal with, if you can find 12 things, and it could be like their teeth are straight, you know, I mean, it can be little things and it can be big things, but 12 things you could like and admire about that person, then you can work with them, right? And they're, you know, you could go on the list. If you can go past 12, it's even better. And then the next time they are frustrated, you start to see the unique uh, possibilities of the positive because you've written it down 
you've thought it through, you've looked at them as a different type of a person. So they're no longer that barrier or brick wall in front of you. They've actually become, become a human being that has some good qualities and some challenging qualities and you can work with that, right? I love that. I, I call it positive reviewing and I love that aspect of taking them from an object and putting their humanity right back in them. And, and what a gift, not only for that person, but for yourself. Because mm -hmm. there are times you're going to be that block, and wouldn't it? How powerful would it be if someone were to sit down and do that for you? Write down those positive things and bring back in your human and yeah. and learn how to do say that. How can I love this? Yeah. How can I find love in this? Yeah. So, how can I find love in this? I love it. Oh my gosh, so yummy. Okay, so we're we're getting close on time here. So tell us a little bit about how. You, you talked about the corporate world. Oh, okay, so two questions. We're going to come back to the corporate world of this. But going back to a statement you said about being a parent, I kind of wanted to address this thought because I know there's going to be a person or two who's going to feel what you said, and that is I feel like Patty has died. I had moments where I felt like Jennifer had died. And how do you recommend that a person go through this dying process of dying off the old so that you can become the new? So it's accepting, it's accepting the potentiality of what's coming. So you never change certain aspects of yourself. I love the creative. I love to paint. I like to write poetry. I love to, I love to write, um, uh, whether it's readable or not is, is up, to, up to the reader. Um, but I love doing it. And these things of who we are, um, we need to capture. We need to capture that in our personality. Um, I love to listen to music. I love to, and we just begin to invite more of that into our lives so that we can shed the stuff we're not liking, right? Um, the, the freedom. The freedom really doesn't matter because you've gained something. So now you have to track what you've gained, right? I can no longer come and go whenever I want because I have these kids in my life and my husband works 24-7 and I never see him. And, you know, you can have those those dialogues and you can sit and you can sit in that and live in that or you can turn it around. And and I'm not saying I was really great at this, by the way. That was a journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. But looking back, um, tracking and journaling, and when I talk about the appreciation journal, you there are three areas you have to appreciate. You have to pre appreciate the environment, you have to appreciate the people in your life, and you have to appreciate yourself. And you can write three things about each one of those every night. And what do I appreciate about me? You have to include yourself in that, in that gratitude or appreciation journal. Um, and then you have an opportunity to start seeing the new person emerging and believing that a new person is going to be probably even better than the one who died. Uh, that part right there, I think, is that's the challenge. Because Believe it. We're so accustomed to who we are or who we think we are yeah. that even though we want to believe there's more for us, believing that, that, you know, that we can be greater is... Yeah. Oh, gosh, we are the, the beauty of life is that we get to right? That we get to change that we get to be something different, right? I mean, good gosh, I would never in 100 years want to be the same person I was when I was 22. <laughs> so true. Oh, my word. We get to change. We, we get to get to we like, get to become anything we choose to become. Right. And so I guess the question is, what are you choosing to become? Yeah. And and are you willing to go there? 
to take yeah. time to sit down for a few minutes with yourself each day and, and start finding out for yourself that self-discovery. Yeah. And, and not to confuse it with materiality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not to confuse that. Who do I want to be? If it's the richest man in, in the city, then you've got a problem. Or if it's the richest woman in the, in the you know, PTA or, or whatever, you're, you're searching for the wrong become, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Who do right. I want to become is about the humanity code that, that, you know, I talked about earlier. This is about who do I want to be in the universe in which I live and how I impact the people around me. That's all that really matters. The rest of it's just gravy. And if you're living truthfully and authentically and being real about it and respectful as you are real, um, you begin to emerge into these people that you kind of eventually learn to like. And I don't know anybody that was a teenager that really could say, I really like who I am. <laughs> right? I mean, we, that's a journey we take into adulthood and, uh, and then again into parenting and then again after parenting. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because again, we're always these evolving creatures and once the kids are gone, we got to discover who we are again without them. Take the lessons we've learned in that period and what's next? Who do I want to be now? Yes. Yeah. Who do I want to be now? Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing. These are beautiful insights. And if you're listening today, I hope you're taking notes. If not, go back and replay this because these are some really valuable tidbits of information that in my heart, I know will help you get to the place you're wanting to be, even if you're afraid to do so. So Patty's going to tell us really quickly about how she uses this in the business and corporate world. So this is what she does for her income. How does that work? (laughs) Well, the um, the world of technology was what I was immersed in in quite some time, and I'm still in technology. I've been doing technology for over 20 years. Um, uh, sadly, that might date me. Uh, the, uh, uh, the goal, though, is that, um, like materiality, technology uh, is there as a tool to use it's like our hammer and our wrench and our screwdriver right technology is the tool to a means to an end um what a lot of companies fail to realize is that the tool is not the transformation the behaviors and the actions and the way the business emerges and changes is the transformation and and you can use the tool but until you absolutely apply people strategy to the use of that tool you don't gain adoption or utilization it doesn't shift your business like you want so uh, we really champion companies to put their money where their mouth is if your people are your greatest resource let's budget to ensure that we prepare equip and support those people through that change I love it I keep hearing in my mind as you're talking feelings and technology that you know that's what I hear that that what you do Feelings you put in the, the humanness into the technology because you're we're dealing with humans, right? And and that's what makes the technology do its thing. I I love that. And even in the even in this digital age of AI and IIoT and all of those um, or you know acronyms that are coming out as as buzzwords uh, of late, the the reality is even if you mechanize a lot of the processes, even if you automate a lot of the processes, companies will never be run by a bot. They will always be run by a human. And that human will need other humans to support the mechanics and the automation and the things that are going on. So we're living in a world where uh, there is some confusion 
where leaders might believe if we bring in this tool, we won't need people. And that's not true. Companies will always need a certain amount of people. And the people strategy around how technology uh, emerges is really important. For instance, um, I mentioned AI. So that's artificial intelligence. That is where a computer grows in, in information and begins to utilize it in ways that are human-like. Um, so but they never be able to manage the ethics or the compassion required. Or the, you know, there are certain human qualities you cannot mechanize. And uh, that's where we come in. We want to say, how do we build all of that um, support for this tool to work based on the behaviors and the actions and the preparedness and the adoption and the utilization of that tool to change your business? And it takes people to do that. Right. I, you know, when I listened to you the first time, I was in awe. Uh, one, just the way you speak, it, it comes off so effortlessly and, and, and you have such a passion for it. And not not even necessarily the technology part, although I know you love that, but the people part of it. And how in that conversation, you just shared that you go in and how you, when you're instigating change, how you help the people do that. And then as they start to embrace the change and the, the new technologies or systems or the tools that you're using, but then that's how the company starts to change or the system or that I, I may not have said any of that correctly, but in my mind, I know what I'm saying. And I think it's such a beautiful thing that you keep the humanity in whatever, you know, the system or the organization or the tool is. That, that really is what's going to save us, honestly, I, I believe. I, I really, truly think that um, our longevity as a species is based on our ability to build relationships that are very human and transparent and open. And I, I think that that might sound a little fluffy to someone, but in any corporate situation, if you take any kind of activities that is required, uh, when we do that with a collaborative growth uh, mindset and when we approach people as enablers as opposed to uh, forces of, of, of uh, how do I put that uh, money suckers from our company because that we see that occasionally in the odd company when we approach people as a as equally as important as the digital tools for accomplishing our needs, instead of seeing them as a cost center, we begin shifting the conversation into what's going to save us, what's going to keep us relevant, what's going to make us agile, what's going to allow us to move forward faster so that we can survive as a company. And then if we do this globally, we're doing this in a bigger world, right? It, we really, that interaction and that heart, um, love is where it's at, man. That's, it just is. I, okay, I was just going to say, that. I was just about to say, if I hear you correctly, you're speaking love. Yeah. And that it is a must because it brings out the healthy in the system. And when we have the healthy, then we have better creativity. We've got greater innovation. We've got greater uh, stability and longevity yeah. in, in ways you, that are powerful. Very powerful. And if you if you take a look at it in, in, in opposite sides of the spectrum, 
when we pit people against each other, we're playing an episode of Survivor, right? And only one person comes out on top. When we collaborate and literally prepare ourselves together with everyone's voice at the table or as many people's voice at the table as possible with open transparency, uh, design thinking, with all of the different different types of techniques that, it, that improve engagement, the more we engage, the more we learn about each other. And the more we learn about each other, we become more like a, like a unit of the Red Cross as opposed to a, a, a bad episode of Survivor, right? That's the world I want to live in. I want to live in, an, in a world where everybody's got a mission toward the same thing, and that mission is a purpose of good. You and I, we, we have kindred souls. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm preparing to do a TED Talk in January, and it is very much on what you're speaking about. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's under the, the guise of playing a game of hide and seek. You know, we can continue to hide behind our fear, our shame, our you know whatever it is, or we can start seeking and being curious about other people and what makes them tick, what makes them excited, and what makes them sad, and how then we take out the competition of the game and just play. So that's the death of the that's the death of the personal agenda. Love it, right? Definitely agenda. agenda. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Let's go here. Three things that you live by that you feel like would be great lessons for our listener today. I've already mentioned one, which is um, find the love in it, no matter what it happens to be. Uh, the second lesson is we are far more powerful together than we are against each other. Mm-hmm. Far more powerful. Uh, the third lesson is <laughs> you can change. You just can. It's, you don't have to be where you're at. If, if you're unhappy, you can change. I think that's such a powerful thing. You can change. Uh-huh. You can change. Do you have um, a spiritual practice that you that helps keep you grounded or in this frame of mind to continue doing what you do in everything is bigger than me. It's just all bigger than me. Right? So everything is bigger than me. Oh my gosh. Patty, thank you so much. Thank you. I I had no idea where this conversation was going to go today. Um, Although I knew there was a, a lot of places that it could go. And I feel like you've given us so much and that we could actually continue this conversation for a really long time. <laughs> and so maybe what we'll do is a little farther down the road, maybe we can try this again. We'll stay in touch and kind of see where you're at and, and, and do this again, get some more insight from the great Patty. Um, oh, I would love that. Thank you ever so much for including me in, in conversation today and sharing sharing our conversation with with the people that love and follow you. I really, truly hope that we do stay in touch. Okay. You know what? There's, there's no doubt. We've got, we have some things that uh, I, I feel drawn. I feel drawn. Um, I can't wait to see what, what you become, my dear. Thank you. Me too. It's such a beautiful journey. (laughs) It is. Beautiful journey. Anything else that you want to leave us with? Final thoughts or impressions? Final thoughts or impressions is thank you for allowing me to speak because when we speak from our heart and tell our stories, our stories do matter, uh, not the curio cabinet ones, but the uh, right, but our stories matter. And uh, it's just fun when we learn from another person and, and we hear their story. So thanks for letting me share mine. 
Yeah, you are most welcome. And for you who are listening today to this episode, we want to say thank you. And if you have liked any part of today's episode with Patty, we encourage you to invite two people into the conversation. Just imagine how this conversation might help the person that you're sharing with. And if you'd like to leave more than that, we invite you to go ahead and contribute to the podcast so that we can continue to bring you amazing people and beautiful content that helps change your life. And if you have a story that you want to share with us, we would love to hear that as well. So with that, we're going to end it like we always do and say, love is where it's at and you got to believe in yourself or no one else can. It'll be great.